0: Psalm 82, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, underline that word, he judges among the gods, underline that word, how long will you judge unjustly, this is God speaking, and show partiality to the wicked, Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy, deliver the poor and the needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, you are God's. And all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the rulers. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. As we look at this psalm today, we're looking at the, the, the significance of... God's value and love for all human lives. Recently, we've had a bunch of hashtags rolling around on social media. All lives matter, black lives matter, blue lives matter. I understand the context of each one of those hashtags and probably the digs that are being represented by the individual hashtags purported by some people, but can I just say biblically that the heart of God beats in love for all human lives? God values and loves all human beings made in his own image and likeness. And there is no skin color, there is no nationality, there is no ethnicity that gives any person an excuse to treat with disrespect, to demean, or to disregard any human life. We live in a culture in America that is filled with the ideas of us versus them, we versus they. But when God looks at humanity from the beginning of creation to that moment when we gloriously enter into the throne room of heaven at the end of time. And God looks at every human being and he says, You, made in my image, are the object of my value and my love. We see this in the very beginning of the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1. When God made Adam and Eve, he made them in his own image and in his own likeness. Made in the image of God, plants upon every human being the stamp of God's value and worth. And we, you and I, have no right to try to dismantle the value that God has placed Upon them and us. So when we move beyond hashtags and the political meanderings that have occupied so much of our journey in 2016. It is my prayer that we hear from heaven. And that we listen to the heart of God. If you remember last week when we looked at Psalm 81, we had this in verses 1 through 5, we had this call to praise God. And then beginning in verse 6, we hear God's side of the story. How that that praise demanded more than just words. It demanded a life Devoted, passionate, and purposefully oriented toward him. Now in Psalm 82, God continues to give us his side of the story. Invariably, when we talk politics, we want to talk about our side of the story. We want to talk about our perspective, and we want to talk about our rights, and, and those are Good discussions, most certainly. But friends, today in this place, we need to hear God's perspective. We need to hear God's side of the story. And as we listen to him, it must change us. His people. Bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So as we look at this passage and as we unpack it, it's important for us to see what God says to hear it, to feel it, to know it, so that we might obey it. Now, we have to unpack this a little bit. If you look in verse 1... The psalmist begins to speak, and he gives us a glimpse of God gathered with some important people, and he, God, is rebuking them. The scripture says here, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges among the gods. There are many different ways to take verse 1, and, and in some ways it is a problematic verse when you're looking at the trees. But if you look at the forest, if you get up above the verse, the problems dissipate, at least this side of the cross in the empty tomb, for those of us who are followers of Jesus. But let's deal with some of the trees here in verse 1. Ultimately, what what we need to understand and what we need to take hold is that God judges all. God is the judge of all people, all things. You look down in verse 8, it says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. God is the great one. He is the king and the creator of the universe. He is the judge of all, all people, all nations, and all things. And he is the judge of you and me. Make no mistake, you can rationalize your perspectives and positions and ideas, the reasons you do things or don't do things. You can rationalize them all day long, but holy God has a holy justice And he measures you not by your rationalizations, and he measures me not by my rationalizations, but he measures us by the standard of his holiness, and he judges us. He evaluates us, and we can fool each other, and we can talk each other uh, into uh, into a position or a particular idea, but God will be unmoved. His values are inviolable. His justice is absolute. His, his, uh, what he expects and demands is measured by his holiness, not by our personal desires. God is the judge of all. You and I are included in that. I pray that that shakes you a little bit. I pray that you hear that and that you're not numb to the truth of it. I pray that the holy justice of God eternal will cause you to pause, as it's caused me to pause so often this week as i studied this passage. God is the judge of all. Now, in verse 1, as we get a snapshot of God in heaven, we also have this congregation, this this gathering of of important people, mighty ones. And then, at the end of verse 1, the the assembly of the gods, little g-o-d-s. Now, let me be very clear. In the Hebrew language, that last word of verse 1, your translation may say, Rulers, it may say mighty ones, or it may say gods. In most of your copies of Scripture, there'll be a little footnote there that gives a little bit further explanation. Uh, The New King James says gods. The the, uh, ESV, uh, English Standard Version, reads gods. The New American Standard Version reads rulers. So why do we have gods, or rulers, or mighty ones, in that place. What, what is the backdrop of that Hebrew word? Well, the Hebrew word itself is Elohim. Do you all know what Elohim is? It, it is the name of God. It is, it is the Hebrew name for God. It, it's not the personal name of God in the Old Testament. The personal name of God is Yahweh or Jehovah. But, but it is a title used for the one true God of Jacob, Isaac, and Israel. It is Elohim. What creates problems here is that we believe there is but one God. And so as we look at the little G-O-D-S, what, what is it that God is doing? Well, some have surmised, and I'm more inclined to follow this line, Uh, follow after the new american standard version that god stands in the assembly of the rulers and these are people that god has put in places of leadership to do his will in the world rulers some have gone so far in the history of interpretation of this passage going back centuries not just a couple of decades, but if you go back centuries, the majority of commentators and scholars have determined that this is talking about Israel's judges, that Israel's judges are the object of God's correction and judgment. Others, however, have said this is supernatural beings like principalities and powers that we find in the, Paul's letter to the believers in Ephesus. It's, it's those spiritual authorities that have been given um, uh, a place of involvement and movement among uh, people in the world. And, and so God gathers all these principalities and powers together and says, you've done a poor job. regardless of whether it's earthly rulers or principalities and powers, the message to us is this, that God stands as judge over them. And he asks them this question in verse 2, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? And God is the judge of all. And he expects everyone that he's placed in a position of influence to judge according to his values and not their own. Whether it's a supernatural being or whether it's uh, an Israelite judge or whether it's you and me. God has placed us in a position of influence so that we Might judge, make decisions according to his values. Now, as we look at this passage, we need to understand that God is not pleased. And as we look at this passage, I want us to take note of the application to the church today. You see, if you flip over to 1st. Peter, chapter 2, verse 9, in that familiar passage, we see that through Jesus Christ, we have been made God's special people. He calls us a holy nation, and he gives us the title of a royal priesthood. We are his possession, but he has called us a royal priesthood to show us that we now have a name. We once lived aimlessly in the darkness of this world, but through Jesus Christ, we have been brought into the light. We lived aimlessly and somewhat namelessly in this world, but Jesus, by his rescuing love and his own death on the cross, has given us a name, his name. So that we live as representatives of our king, Jesus. And God has planted us in our spheres of influence, not so that we can just be happy with ourselves. Not so that we can merely have our own way. Not so that we can uh, selfishly live uh, according to our own whims and desires. But he has given us his name through Jesus Christ, poured His Spirit within us so that we might live each moment as a representative of the One who has rescued us. We are a royal priesthood. And as His royal priesthood, the question that should shake you as it shakes me is, am I representing Him well? see, he is the judge. He is the judge of our motives and and the intent of our heart. He's, He's the judge of our actions. He's the judge of our attitudes. He's the judge of our words. He's the judge of how we treat others. So when we read Psalm 82... It's important for us to listen to the question that he poses before the assembly of these important people. How long will you judge, decide unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? God goes on and and he tells us that when the people he has planted in positions of influence and leadership judge unjustly, then the world becomes confused and crazy. Look down in verse 5. We'll get back to verses 3 and 4 in a second, but look at verse 5. God says, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. That is a description of the world in which we live. He talks about the they. And and many of the commentaries, uh, both current and and, and ancient, uh, question and and, and peruse who are the they? In verse 5, are the they, the rulers who do not know and do not understand, who walk around in darkness? The, these the rulers or are these the people? The, the, in verses 3 and 4, he talks about the poor and the, and the fatherless and the afflicted. Are they the ones that are walking around in, in, in the confusion of this world? And I believe that the they is both that when God places people like you and I in positions of influence and leadership so that we might make decisions according to his values and 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 help others according to his values and we fail to do it but rather determine that we're just going to live selfishly we're going to live according to our own whims and desires then We create an environment of chaos. We create an environment of chaos and and confusion in our culture, in our homes, in our church. We create a culture of confusion and darkness because we fail to live according to the values of the God who has given us life. I know I'm preaching in many ways to the choir. We look at this passage and we start pointing our fingers at presidents and justices. We start pointing our fingers at At religious leaders who have gone astray. We start pointing our fingers at everyone else. Casting aspersion and blame upon them. And I get it. I understand it. And I even do it. But friends. Before we point our fingers at the world around us. We need to allow God's holy finger to point directly to us. We are the royal priesthood. We. We. ...are His holy people. We are the ones who should be living and deciding... And, 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 ...and moving in this world in such a way that we dispel darkness. Don't create an environment of darkness, but we dispel darkness. And how do we dispel it? By doing exactly what God wants us to do. By living according to His values... And remember, his value is crystal clear. God values and loves all human life. There is not this idea of the haves and the have-nots. There's not this idea of us and them, of we and they. But rather as a holy nation. Rather, as a royal priesthood, God's own special possession, we are called to live each moment of our days according to His value, where we value others the way God values them. We live in a confused world many ways because the church has given up its voice and its values you might say well this church i mean we hold the line on sound doctrine can i just give you a clue this psalm doesn't talk one inch about doctrine god doesn't say we live in a confused world because you don't believe correctly he says we live in a confused world because we don't behave correctly my fear is that we carry the name of Christ but it's just the name read the story of a guy who uh was going on a business trip and he needed his shirt laundered and uh, so he 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 needed it done quickly he wanted to get it you know professionally cleaned and and professionally folded so he could put it in his in his uh in his carry-on bag and so he he remembered that right down the road from his home there was a one hour cleaners and it was posted up on the billboard out front you know uh, whatever that name would be zoots or whatever one hour cleaner so he gets his shirt and 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 he takes it to the one hour cleaner and he and he goes in and he says i need this i need this dry cleaned i need it and need it folded and and, uh, and I'll be back, pick it up in an hour, and they say, "Oh, well, it'll be ready on Thursday, and it's Tuesday." he says, well, wait a second, I don't understand. I, I, you, you have a sign, and it says one hour cleaner. I need this in, a one, in, in one hour. And, and, and the, the, the lady said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but it can't be ready until Thursday. And, and so he pressed a little bit more, and he said, wait a second, you have a sign that says one hour cleaners. And she looked at him, and she said, well, that's just our name." It frightens me that we as a church would say, well, this is just our name. It's not supposed to change the way we live. Yes, I'm a Christian. I have Christian values. But I'm not going to live any differently than I do right now. It's just my name. Friends, Jesus didn't give you his name simply so you could carry it around with you. He gave you his name so that you could live accordingly. One of the reasons we live in such a confused and darkened world where we do not know and do not understand is because we are just carrying a name. We're not living a life. And as a follower of Jesus, we're called to live a life not just carry a name. So if God loves and values all human lives and he's the judge of all and he's evaluating you and I right now, what needs to be different? What needs to change? Look at verses 3 and 4. This is God's expectation. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. God expects us to get involved. He expects us to get involved in such a way that we help those who can't help themselves. I am always amazed at how we stand so far on the sidelines protecting our own ideas of the way things ought to be. And we fail to understand as followers of Jesus the plight of the people Around us again this is not a political sermon but it certainly should have political ramifications and this is not a sermon calling for a specific political party to embrace this is a message from God to you about how you and I we should live And God's expectation is no longer for us to sit on a sideline, casting stones at people who don't talk the way we talk or think the way we think or act the way we act. But rather, it is for us to get involved. With whom should we be involved? And, and, and again, we need to hear from God. This is very specific. You look at the object of, of every single one of the imperatives in verses 3 and 4. The imperatives, defend, do justice, deliver, free them. Those are the imperatives. What, who are the objects of those imperatives? The poor, the fatherless, the afflicted, the needy the poor, and the needy. These are the folks that are living strangled by life. They're the ones that have troubles that grow instead of shrink, and the boundaries of their heart somehow has expanded to hold all the grief and anxiety and the anguish of their lives. While living in these tight places, they become more and more confined the cancer of fear and anxiety spreads maliciously through their heart. In the tight places of life, the poor see the marauding maladies of life and feel the weight of their plight. they longing for the death-eating throes of their need to be overwhelmed. And God expects us to get involved right there. I wonder how many of us go outside our own family to help people who are poor and needy and afflicted. Oh, it's far easier just to act like those are them and we are we and let's just leave it like that. Or we might say, well, you know, we're supposed to help People in the church, but people outside the church, they're just left to their own devices. Or we're supposed to help people that believe like we believe, but if they don't believe like we believe, they need to be left to their own devices. If, or, 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 or we're supposed to take care of the people that, that, that act the way they're supposed to act, and if they don't act the way they're supposed to act, then, then, uh, then they're just getting what's due them. We're, we're not supposed to help people who, who, uh, who have shown such a disregard for God, and yet that's exactly kind of what God has done for you, my friend. That, 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 that's exactly how God related to you why did he relate that way to us why would he take sinners like you and me and determine he is going to make the way of escape why would he look at you and me poor and needy and afflicted in our sin and determine that he was going to sacrifice in order to provide rescue from the clutches of hell itself why would God do that because God loves and values Every human life, and we're supposed to be His people in this world living the way He has taught us. I wonder how many of us take seriously. The story of the Good Samaritan. Well, we like to tell it and teach it to our children, but are we living out the story? This is a picture in Luke chapter 10. beginning verse 25, the story of the Good Samaritan. This is Jesus describing the very heartbeat of God the Father, that which he values. If you remember the context of Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan, a lawyer comes up and says, what's the heartbeat of God? What's the greatest commandment of all? And and Jesus responds, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second liken to it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer responds, seeking to justify himself, who then, Lord, is my neighbor? And Jesus says, okay, let me tell you who your neighbor is. And he tells the story of the good Samaritan. Friends, this isn't some side note. This isn't some minuscule little tale that Jesus was telling in order to entertain the troops. Jesus was showing the very heart of God, that which God values. And if we, as followers of Jesus, are serious about being a follower of Jesus, then we need this story to dominate our souls so that we start living the way Jesus teaches us. The story of the Good Samaritan, a guy that was walking down the road sees a guy that had fallen in need. He couldn't help himself. He was afflicted, he was poor, and he was needy. He was beaten up by robbers, and he was going to die. Religious people had already passed by him thinking, That guy deserves what he got, or I'm too busy to help this guy, or I don't want to mess up my own moral superiority in order to help this guy, and they walk on by. But the Samaritan stops, and with personal sacrifice and cost and hard work, he helps this man who had fallen among thieves find healing, not just for that moment, but for the remainder of his illness and and, and recuperation. And Jesus says that is the guy you need to be. Didn't get into ethnicity, didn't get into the personal, um, uh, personal, uh, ideas and beliefs or even the behavior of the man who had fallen among thieves it was just a Samaritan saw the guy and helped the guy because the guy needed help he got involved Edie and I were in uh, Williamsburg not long ago and uh, sitting there at a restaurant it was one of our little getaways and we need those getaways. Um, we, we were there sitting at a restaurant and it was just after um, all the, the the racial unrest began this year. And sitting at a table and we're eating and, and in comes a, a group of, of men, not my ethnicity, and they sat down and at the table uh, across the way from us and they, they're eating and, and they're talking and, and it's serious times and, and you could feel the seriousness of their conversation. Yeah, they laughed, but they were concerned. As I sat there and Edie and I were having our getaway, I, I just felt compelled by God to walk across the room. Again, God made me this way and I can do this and it's not something that is overwhelming to me but, but I wanted to walk across the room and just talk to these men to tell them that I appreciate them to tell them that God loves them to tell them that I'm for them and if they would let me to pray for them. So I'm talking to Edie, and I said, Edie, this is kind of what I'm thinking I need to do. Are you okay with that? And she knew I was going to do it regardless, but, (laughs) but again, it was our getaway, and I thought, I don't want to ruin the rest of the day without talking to her first. And she said, sure, of course. So I got up, and I walked across the room, and I went over to the table, and these four men sitting in a booth... I said, Guys, I know it's unusual, and I'm not here to harass you. I just want you to know that I appreciate you, that I love you, and I want to know if I can pray for you. One of the elderly gentlemen, gray in his beard, a little tear started rolling down his cheek, and he said, He said, You're a pastor, aren't you? And I said, Yes, sir, I am. He said, He said, I'm so glad that you came by here today. He said, I've been, he was a pastor too. He said, I've been a pastor for 40 years. And I've never had a white man come up to me and ask me if he could pray for me. And I thought to myself, oh my God. God. No wonder we're in such a mess. Today, God is calling you and me to get involved, to defend, make Christ honoring decisions, to bless those who can't help themselves, to deliver. To, 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 to do whatever we can to rescue, snatch away people overwhelmed by wickedness, snatch them out of wickedness' hand. He's calling us, you and me, to take a walk across the room and be light in the darkness. Remember the question, God asks us, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Friends, God has set you free through the person of Jesus Christ. Now will you be His ambassador in a dark world? Would you bow your heads with me, please? This morning as we respond to God's Word, I invite you to take a walk across the room. This week, find those opportunities that God will certainly put in your path and be light in the darkness. For those who do not know and do not understand, who are living in the instability and and insecurity of this dark world, go to them. and Be a voice reflecting God's heartbeat for them. Will you Not just here, but will you obey? Oh God, will you call us to action right now? And will we say yes for your glory's sake?